systems initiated. You are listening to the Empire Podcast Network. As an actor, I made a career out of surviving personal and family dramas on daytime television. Now, in real life, I've also had my fair share of challenges, just like everybody else. But TV and film could be a nice escape from our own daily struggles. Well, let's face it. Life is not TV and film. Yeah. It's time to keep it real. With Real Conversations with Jacob Young. Sponsored by Boys Town. My guest this week was a fan favorite of Simone Torres in the classic daytime drama, All My Children. She received an Emmy nomination for her role as Orchid on the Emmy-winning series, The Bay. Recently, she was seen on the reboot of the 1980s TV comedy, Punky Brewster, and she hosts her own talk show on UBN. She's an actress, an author, and she's a friend of mine, Carrie Ivins. You know what time it is. It's time to keep it real with Real Conversations with Jacob Young, sponsored by Boys Town. Harry, welcome to the show. Hi, it's such a pleasure to be with you. Oh, it's so great to see you and hear you. And it's been a little while. Yeah, it has. I think the last we uh, got to hug was at uh, Gregory J. Martin's house. Yeah, yeah. And uh, oddly enough, I was under the weather then. (laughs) I I rarely get sick. And it's like, I think the last two times I've spoken to you, I've been like not feeling the best. But um, I think one of the greatest part about having a podcast is being able to catch up with all the friends that I had uh, during my days on all my children in New York. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's what I've really loved to doing going to bed with Terry Ivins on UPN. It was so fun to pub our friends and their next projects and, and just keep in touch and, and have that real type of handshake that goes off across the audience that, uh, you know, they don't always get to uh, drink in about real friends in this crazy business that we really do exist. And there's not a lot of fake and phony when you're with a group of real people like we were able to for so many years with all my children. Yeah, it, I couldn't agree more. I've been on some shows. I know you've been on lots of shows over the years and not every situation is as comforting and uh, not everybody's as nice and pleasant to be around. It was truly a unique opportunity being on all my children because we actually would hang out. We would go do things after work and people were like literally happy to do it. I've been on other shows and people just like, they're like, what you want to hang out? I'm sorry. I'm going to have to check my schedule (laughs) and see if that's even something I can do or go check with, you know, my mommy or (laughs) right. (laughs) Well, I do think, though, you know, the temperature of Hollywood is that is, you know, it's kind of like at that boiling point. You you, I don't know about you from as much as there are times when I feel like I'm damned if I do and damned if I don't. And I may speak from my heart, but it doesn't matter what side of the fence it is. I'm going to offend someone. And so then it makes you really aloof and wanting to stay more in this uh, vague uh 
you know, communication stance instead of really being heart to heart because you really can't trust if someone's going to manipulate what you say, take a snippet out of it and then build a whole new narrative around it. Yeah, no, I, I can't agree more. It's 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 a really strange place right now with just and that's not something that is really, uh, you know, being an artist, you know, we're we're you're supposed to be free thinkers and free, you know, we have free feelings and, and we're supposed to allow those things, but he says something now it's you're canceled, right? right? You're canceled. And I'm like, wow. Um, I did have a friend like 10 years ago. Right? <laughs> right. I'm telling you some of the things we would have been saying on all my children, we all would have been canceled. Right. It's uh, at one point I was the only ethnicity on the show. I mean, that's cancelable, right? Now. Right there, that the show should have been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's so true. I have a, I have a friend, and he's uh, you know he's not like a well known actor or or somebody that is in the spotlight. And he said, "Well, I can't say that I'll be canceled." I said, "No, you have to be cancelable first." <laughs> I mean, they. True. If, if, if you're if you're just like somebody that's just a normal Joe that's walking down the street and you say something, they're not going to cancel you. But you got to be they only want to cancel the people that are in the spotlight. I don't know, though, if, yeah. you, if you really if you I, I was thinking that way, too. And until you start reading articles about professors that are canceled from their school, fired from right. their job because they're not following whatever the group think is of that campus. And you're like, wow, now that person's not famous. That person just spoke out about free thinking, right? That's America. Right. We're, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of thought. You know, that's that's what makes us so great. And yet here there's professors being fired, teachers, not even professors, teachers in like high school. Oh yeah. Coaches. I mean, it's ridiculous. So I almost think it's a little more volatile now in smaller towns where everyone knows everyone. And someone can just twist a little bit because of you, what you liked on Facebook or how, you know, but I, I definitely think that we grow as a, as a, a community, if we continue to speak and continue to lift up those, even if we don't agree eye to eye, but we encourage the free spoken word. So like, I may not agree with everything you think, or you might not agree with me, but it doesn't mean that our love for each other ends or right. that I think that you're just a horrible, evil person. Yeah. You know, it, it's like, just have the, have the open mind. Yes. And I think we need to remind ourselves and our neighbors that, you know, we're stronger together than having animosity because of something we think that they think is maybe not politically correct. I hate politics. <laughs> I know. You know, Jerry Lewis used to say, I don't, I, you know, I'm not into politics. I'm, I'm, I'm already into comedy. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I mean, cause it's all a big joke a lot of times. I mean, other than like the serious things we do have to address, but it's like, everybody's nitpicking at every single comment that's said by every politician. And it's like, it's all taken out of context. Um, um, you know, beings that this is a, this is a health, a mental health podcast, um, and it's been so many years really since we've worked together. I know it's like I I think back and I go, wow, it's been that long already. Yeah. Um, how have you grown and evolved as a person since we worked together in Pine Valley on All My Children? You know, uh, when All My Children got canceled, it was a huge. I don't know if you went through this. But I always thought, okay, I did my time. 
I'm going to, I can always grow old and be a lifer on all my children. Right. Yeah. And enjoy my life and our friends. I'm like, this lifestyle is great. So I can venture off and do these other creative things. So when all my children was canceled, it really made me depressed, but it made me take a step back and go, Whoa, this, I guess it's a falsity, but I had the security blanket in my head that you know, as an actor that I'm covered and I'm going to be okay. And now I had to readdress that, wait a minute, my, my, uh, my security is not in a, a TV show or a network. It needs to be in something bigger than myself even, because, you know, there are days when we might not be able to look ourselves in the, in the mirror. And then what do we do then? Right. No, no. Well said. Um, I felt the same way. You know, I, I, I was under the impression that all my children was going to keep running like Young and the Restless or any of these other shows that are still around, which it should have. We know that we know we know because the popularity still is there, you know, talking about the, right. the possibility of this or this reboot that's happening. And um, and just just still just fans are still wanting to keep up with all my children and it's been all these years since. So, so yeah, it was, it was a difficult thing. Step, step away from that and, and find a new comfort zone and go, well, I got to pick up the pieces and just keep rolling forward as an artist. And, um, no, I, I absolutely agree. You know, uh, one thing that a lot of people may or may not know about you, you're a big sports fan. Huge. What, what, what are your teams? And I've been, well, I'm a diehard 49er fan. So much so that, you know, I'm probably going to piss people off. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick was my quarterback and I did not like him because he was a crappy quarterback. And then because he got benched, all of a sudden he decided to take a knee. And then he never spoke about why he took a knee. To this day, I don't think he's ever actually defined for himself to any of us, which I guess he doesn't have to. But the media put all these other words and feelings into him taking a knee when really, as I know, as being a 49er fan and follower forever, that he did it out of insecurity because he was going to maybe get canned because he wasn't that great of a quarterback. Exactly. Cause he was one dimensional. He only could run. He couldn't stay in the pocket. Uh, he didn't trust, you know, his blockers, blah, blah, blah. He came from my hometown too. He he was quarterback for UNR Wolfpack. So I know him very well as an athlete. And uh, even despite all of that craziness, I love the Niners so much that uh, I haven't missed a game. And uh, I may boycott a lot of other things, but I could never boycott my 49ers. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, you know, I mean, this might seem silly, but what about, you know, there, you find it as a woman, uh, to be interested in sports is, is without the that old fashioned sort of label of being a tomboy this day and age. Do you think it's uh, it's universal across the board? I mean, I know because you're you're a huge sports fan, but you know, I think there's still some women out there be like, oh, sports. My husband watches sports all you know. Right. Well, I don't even think it's necessarily a gender. You know, I have dated and have been married to someone who. I actually watch more sports than they <laughs> and uh, right. So, and they're like, "My God, Terry, you have been in front of the television for four hours. Don't you think you should get out of the house?" <laughs> Where I'm like, "No, I'm good because Monday Night Football is going to be coming." You know, or what? Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily gender, but I. 
do think no matter what it is, being playing a sport or watching a, a sport, that if you love someone, your significant other, if you can find something about whatever it is, topic that they love, if you can join them in it, at least some of the time, it really will bond you guys together and their love for it will make you actually love it too. So like, you know, I had a boyfriend who was into uh, sailing and I became an avid crew sailor. Now, since we broke up, do I sail? No, but did I love it when I was with the guy? <laughs> sure. Yeah, it was great. Well, that's a great point. I mean, relationships are all about compromise and, and finding those, you know, I mean, if you love the person, yeah, if you love that person, you're going to, you're going to enjoy the things that they like. Um, even if that might not be in your front burner, the thing that you've been wanting to do your whole life, but you, you find that compromise and yeah, you can learn great things. If you give a little bit, like I'm, I can sail now. Uh, I was engaged to a pro-am golfer. I didn't golf before that. And now I, I haven't dated him for 20 something years and I love still golfing. So I'm yeah. so grateful that <laughs> I was like, well, if I want to spend any time with him, I better learn how to swing a club. Right. Right. Well, I think that also the takeaway too is it's yeah. I mean, you 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 learn as we get as we as we grow, right? With any relationship or anybody we interact with, we can always learn something and take it away, even if that relationship or that friendship ends. Right. I think we have to be careful, especially. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say as women, because I think as women we tend to morph into what our guys do. I don't know. That was just me, right? I just demonstrated two different things that I morphed into their their lifestyle instead of them coming into mine to where my relationship now, when we first met, he was like, Terry, what do you like to do? What are your hobbies? And I was like, hmm, what are my hobbies? What do I actually like to do? Because I've learned how to do all these other things, but they were for other people. So there is a, a yin and a yang to, right? Yeah. To where I'm like, gosh, I don't, what do I really like to do? And I still like, uh, like I like to read, but that's not necessarily something you want to do with someone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Here, you read this paragraph and I'll read this one. <laughs> right. So then I kind of think like I'm a fuddy dead and I'm like, what I did I waste my life because I've just been tagging on on everyone else's dreams. But I think not. I think as actors, it just broadens my horizons and makes me, you know, able to act like I can do all these different things really well. Right. Well, that's true. I, James right. Dean said something about that many, many years ago, and I'm going to probably misquote it, but it's like, you know, immerse yourself in everything that you never have done in your life. And only then can you really, truly, honestly play it. Um, and and I think that, you know, it, it, as artists, we're naturally curious and we definitely want to delve into a little bit of everything if we possibly can. Lord knows I'm, you know, I, I, uh, I pretend that I'm, I like certain things sometimes and I do it because I know I want to learn that experience and be able like, if, if something, if I get that casting call and they're like, can you, uh, jump horses? I'm like, sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great at it. Right. And the next afternoon you're out there with a lasso and a trainer. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. I was afraid of guns and you know, all of a sudden there's, some opportunities for me to work with a gun and i'm like hmm ah uh, they're like tara you are you how are you with handling guns i'm like oh excellent no problems right <laughs> so i you know i had to go to camp 
and really learn safety and do it the right way so that I was comfortable so that I'm not an actor that when they pull the trigger, they don't close their eyes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is easy to do because those explosions, they're, they're, you know, they're just, you know, just as loud. It's a, you know, even though it's a blank, it's just as loud and it will make you pop your eyes. And, uh, shoot, I was just doing something on a commercial and, and they had an explosion behind me and we only had, they only were going to do it twice. And the first one, of course, when the explosion went off, it was so loud and it was like rocks flying at me that I, I did blink. So I was like, okay, I promise I'm going to hold my eyes open this time. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, it happened again. As soon as the explosion went off, I, I, but I, I was a little faster with the blink, I think that time. But uh, no, it's so true. Now, speaking of reading, of course, you, you, your first novel, The Buzz, Pointing Fingers, that debuted in 2014, is still available on Amazon. It centers around a high school teen and all the insecurities that are part of being a teenager. What can teens, specifically the teens that are listening to this podcast, learn from reading your book? Uh, I hope they can learn to accept themselves exactly as they are no matter how they may look at themselves in the mirror with pimples on their face or maybe a breakout of chicken pox or, you know, the gossip that happens everywhere. I wrote my book for my daughter just for the sake of, if God forbid anything would happen to me, there would be at least an instruction manual of how, how she could get through some of the toughest years of our lives, our adolescence because of insecurities, because it's so important of what about what people think of us. And I think in that we can gain so much strength if we can let it go and say, you know what, the most important thing is how I see myself and that I have self-love and that, yeah, I may fail, I may trip, but I I'm stronger because I'm going to pick myself up one more time and walk another step. Even if I feel like I'm frozen in fear, I'm going to do everything to just take that one more step forward. And that's really all, all we need. And then hopefully we can see that in our friends uh, or in someone who we've never probably even spoken to. Maybe there's somebody that's sitting alone at uh, a lunch table. And instead of being like everyone else and just walking by, maybe you're going to be the person that's just a little more self-aware and a little less self-involved that's going to sit down and go, what's up? And freak that person out because you're actually talking to them. But that's going to change their life yeah. because it's just one little step. And then it's just this roller coaster effect, right? As you right. were saying, mm. but you just need that little push that someone spoke to me. Someone said, hi, uh, the, the, the power of the smile. You don't have to even say a word, just eye contact and a smile. I think that's probably been the most detrimental thing of the pandemic is the mask. It wiped away our smiles yeah. that we would give so freely to everyone. So now we've got this, all the thoughts running through our heads and we can't see any facial expression. So we only are thinking the negative. Oh, they were staring at me, but maybe they were actually smiling. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I saw that happening and happen. Obviously, you couldn't see people smiling, but I would go to the grocery store and then they would like completely look the other direction. They wouldn't even engage. I found I found that it was like, you know, I mean, I'm just talking about random strangers, of course. But, you know, normally you're at the grocery store, you know, pre-COVID and, you know, 
you might give a little nod. You might say, hi, you know, excuse me. How are you doing? Sorry. Um, and people make eye contact. But I found more and more going to the grocery store when everybody was wearing their masks. They're like walking to the other side of the aisle, not making eye contact. You know, and I just found it so impersonable and, you know, people doing that. But, you know, of course, obviously, there's all this. Everybody was nervous and scared. And and I understand. But it does. It did take that away. But that is such a great point, though. Um, also about did you do inject a lot of yourself into your your writing? Well, yeah, I mean, I come from the school of, you know, what was it? Uh, I want to say Nora. But, um, there's, there's certain phenomenal writers that always say you have to write what you know. So I made my character go through actual experiences that I went through in high school. Uh, I had so many girls hate me like, and, and then in turn, because I didn't, uh, I wasn't allowed to go steady with this certain boy. His ego was hurt. So they pushed this crap button on me to where everyone acted like I didn't exist. Now I'm a freshman in high school who I think at one moment was popular, but now I'm popular for the utmost worst reason. Everyone knew who I am, but no one's actually even acknowledging my presence on purpose. So not only am I being ignored, I'm being ignored in my face. Uh-huh. And uh, it was quite humbling. Uh, it was devastating. Uh, I, that was, that was uh, probably my first thoughts of where I didn't want to live. Um, in high school, I had my first suicidal thoughts. And, and those, those thoughts, though I didn't take action with them, I have to really say, once those thoughts start to enter your mind, if you don't, I shouldn't say don't, you, we need to speak them to at least one other person so that it doesn't take root inside of our dark places in our mind. Because as I realized going through my life, there's been other times where something tragic has happened where that dark thought comes in so fast Mm -hmm. to where like, you know, when I was in high school, it didn't come in fast, but then it sunk in and it was a heavy feeling, a heaviness on me. And then when I was, uh, gosh, I think I was like 26, 27, I had a really hard breakup and I found myself with my then boyfriends or ex-boyfriends, uh, three, 357 Magnum, uh, I put a bullet in there and dry clicked it. Thank God it was a dry click, uh, but it was enough to make me freak out as I'm looking myself in the mirror. So actor, right. I'm going to mm-hmm. watch this. And I realized, Whoa, like what is going on in my head that I would actually do that. Right. And, and then not say anything to anyone. And th- again, I'm like, Whoa. So then I fast forward longer into my life. Right. So now we're after all my children and I'm going through a hellacious divorce and we've got the, you know, writer's strike and there's no work and, 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 you know, all my children's canceled. And, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, my financial world is falling apart and everything I thought that I had worked and attained for seems to be crumbling. I'm nothing right. So quick. Those dark thoughts started to hit me so fast to where I'm like, I don't, I, there's no reason for me to be here. I just, and then I would turn it going, I'm just ready to go to heaven. Right. Like, Oh, that's a grander way of thinking. I don't want to live. I'm, and I'm, it was like so twisted. And yet it wasn't until I actually 
thankfully had someone I could trust and talk to this wonderful therapist, Dr. Gill, who is in my life to this day. And having just that one person that I could trust to say anything to that wouldn't judge me for saying it or wouldn't hold it against me or use it against me as a weapon later. Like, well, you did say this. And it, it was wonderful and so healing. And now it's a process. And I know it is that those dark thoughts, I really kind of rebuke them now and going, yeah, it's dead and gone from me. And I claim the power of God in that. But I do know that before I actually was confident enough, or maybe not living in the fear of being able to speak the truth, I did. I, it just gained more and more momentum. Yeah. And, uh, and I can say that, you know, I'm not proud of this, but I, I've had three attempts, suicidal attempts. And um, the dry click of the gun was one of them. And when the third one happened and I woke up in a hospital and I realized, wow, you know, I tried three times and I was unsuccessful. There must be a reason that I'm here on earth. Mm -hmm. And God's not going to let me depart until whatever it is, is done and finished. And uh, so now I live in uh, a deeper freedom and a grander liberty that I don't have to live under the pressure that I was putting under myself to reach certain goals and parameters. Um, just really in my own thoughts and uh, which those that, that powerful drive has helped me succeed. But if we're not careful, those same powers that are used for positive can be that crushing weight that makes us immobile and not want to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. And as I said at the very front, if we could just speak to one person, person. if we could just say one thing, one truth, it can open it up. And there are people, all of us have that person. We, mm. we may not have trusted to know who that person is yet, but we all have that person and we Absolutely. can be that person to someone else. That is for sure where we'll listen and zip our lip and take it to the grave and just love on that person, no matter what they say. It's so true. First of all, thank you for sharing that with us. And, um, you know, you're such a beautiful human being and such a talent. Um, and it's, it's a tough, it's a tough road. I talk about this a lot on the podcast because I'm an artist and an actor and the pressures that come with that. And then just trying to do the day-to-day -day life stuff on top of it and always being held up to an expectation that, that you put upon our, that we put upon ourselves and it's, it's an unnecessary amount of pressure. Um, but it's so true to find that person to talk to. I'm glad that you found that person, uh, your therapist that you're working with. Um, Boys Town has a, a hotline that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. For anybody who's listening, of course, that may not think that they have somebody, they are, are there. They're trained counselors. They're there 24 7. It's uh, the Boys Town National Hotline at 800 448 3000. 800 448 3000. Or you can text voice to 20121. If you just don't feel like you can just engage in a conversation, you can text them. So, uh, you know, don't, don't be too shy to do that. It's, uh, there's people there, they really care and, and they want to talk just like what Terry's talking about. It's just, just to have that one person that, that it will listen. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you again for sharing. Yeah. As a mom of a young daughter, what do you think are some of the challenges that young people have to face today? Gosh, I am so happy that, you know, all we had were written notes that were passed around in class and shoved in lockers. And, you know, maybe the worst thing was a hate book about you. Now it's like all the social media platforms and uh, all the secretive uh, viral hatred that someone who's just jealous uh, can spew out there. And how do you negotiate that in your mindset and how do you walk through it? You know, uh, I, I tell my daughter that if she's going to be on social media, that she needs to realize it's a platform and think of it as a platform from which she can stand on, not taking any comments as a law or of any value, whether it's a compliment or not. It's really, it's no value to you as a person, as I, I would say to her, but she can be a value to herself and to those that are listening by respecting that platform and speaking truth from her heart and not jumping on any bandwagon, uh, you know, just keeping it simple uh, because colleges, uh, future employers, they're all going to be looking at that stuff. And what seems like fun and throwing up, you know, videos that may go viral of some friend, you know, puking in their bathroom (laughs) because of some home party, like, we need to value our platform and and realize that uh, it is a gift if people want to, you know, watch what you're doing and not to uh, feed them garbage. Yeah. We talk a lot on the show about unrealistic expectations on social media. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I see a lot of these and it was just just for instance, I was reading the, a news story yesterday about some she's a you know, social media star, I don't know if it's TikTok or Instagram or whatever, but she flies all over the world and, you know, takes photos, you know, all these exotic locations, which is great. Hey, that's fun. If it's a, if like what you're saying, it's an honest platform, but I guess they called her out on it because she was sitting in business class or, or some sort of upper class. And then there was a picture of her on that same flight, actually sitting in, you know, regular fare class. Um, and so it's like, look, you can't buy into everything that you're seeing. And it's just like the, the idea. You can't believe everything you see on TV. You can't believe everything you see in pictures. It, you know, there's people that are just doing things for the absolute, um, likes and the numbers. And that's an unrealistic expectation. I, I think your advice is, it's great. Use your platform, but be proud of what you're doing and be honest and speak from the truth. And, um, don't do it because you're trying to put on a mirage or a facade for some reason. You know, definitely go right. downhill. Yeah. If you, if I know for myself, I try to, um, whatever I post, I think of, you know, like I'm speaking to just one person so that it's intimate, right. And it doesn't get that clouded big fakeness around it. And, um, I think if we can do that and, it kind of helps balance if we can be honest with one. Right. So when I do a post or whatnot, I'm thinking in the one, because then the one, each of us being one, we make up the many. Yeah. Now you, you've been in TV as a teenager, you've been around in working in this business for a long time. If you could take a ride back in time on the Jacob Young time machine, 
what would you tell yourself or what advice would you give yourself, your teenage self? Oh, to become a rock star, not an actor. (laughs) (laughs) I've always envied that you've got to do both. I, 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 on Punky Brewster, I was so excited because I got to be a rock star. I got to like rock out and I got to record. And um, I was like, finally, bucket list. Uh, But yeah, you know, I think that is a a beautiful thing that that, uh, all of us, I guess, all of us have, no matter how old we, we are, young we are, that we can just up and choose something else. If we're not happy doing what we're doing, making a living, doing whatever it is, you know what? Do something else because what a waste in the one life we have to get up and make a living doing something we don't like. I mean, success is making a living doing something that you love to do. And that doesn't mean that you have to be a millionaire at it. It just means that you get to be favored, that you get to do what you love to do. Yeah, be happy doing it. Enjoying life, you know? I have a secret project right now that I don't tell anyone about. Oh, do we get, are we going to be privy to it? I don't know if I can say it yet, Okay. but I, I am so shocked. I I will say this has nothing to do with the entertainment business. And, um, I am so shocked every day as I go forth in this project of how much I'm enjoying it. And it has nothing to do with the arts. It's so much so that, that just a few handful that know about it go really Terry like you really are enjoying it and I'm and they're like you light up when you talk about it and I'm like I know it must be a god thing because there's no ego in it right there's no <laughs> self-glory right I'm like I don't know but I can't wait for when I have accomplished it that I get to share it with everyone because uh that's a platform that I've been I, I'm working very hard on and uh it's it's shocking the things that if we'll just take that step forward, the things that will just fill us up that we would never know would if we were just chicken or scared of what other people would think. Yeah, take that chance. Uh, I'm going to have to do a follow up now once it uh, once we, we you're able to talk about it a little bit and yeah. we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll definitely uh, have some questions for you. Oh, hopefully. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you're, you're finding that it's. <laughs> That's wonderful. You know, life takes new paths. It always does. There's always something else around the bend that you may not have ever expected that maybe was going to fulfill your life or your heart as much as it does. And I'm glad to see you doing that. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, so much of all of my life has been in the arts. I love to write. I love singing. I love, you know, all of it. So when you, the pandemic just really did a number on me to where I'm like, I want to, be essential. Like, like, I was really feeling like there's no real purpose for me here. I, I can't really help anyone. The best I can do is just isolate and not spread anything. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> pathetic. Am I right? I'm like, and I'm like, why don't you take your own advice, Terry? You have a platform. Why don't you do something to be essential? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, no. I'm gonna. <laughs> good, so good. Well, we can't wait to hear about it. I have one more question for you. And Boys Town, which has been around for 100 years now, it's boys and girls. Um, there was a very famous movie with Spencer Tracy and Mickey Rooney that was an Oscar award winning movie called Boys Town. 
I think uh, Mickey won his first Oscar for that. At Boys Town, their slogan is, he ain't heavy, he's my brother, meaning at some point in our life, somebody has been there for us or carried us in that time in need. Who carried you, Terry? Well, I'm a self, self-proclaimed Jesus girl, and uh, I make no apologies for it. I, uh, I believe that I believe that um, my maker is there for me to have a relationship with. So I, I don't think of myself as religious. I think of myself as having a personal relationship with my maker. And, and the Lord was there with me even when I woke up in the hospital. I could have easily had those depressive thoughts of like, oh, now you failed. You know, as you couldn't even kill yourself. You know, you're such a failure. But yet I didn't feel that I didn't hear those words. I heard the loving words of that. What is mine? No one can take away from me. And I'm not finished with you yet. And uh, I witness every day as I grow that I made new every morning for great is his faithfulness. And I drink that in like crazy, you know, that we, there's this big, beautiful book of his called the Holy Bible that there's all kinds of gold nuggets that I use. Like, you will not lose one single hair on your head. I'm like, yes, that's my scripture. Right? <laughs> um, another one, like you'll be planted by like a tree by the rivers of living water and neither will your leaves wither. I'm like, yes, yes, my <laughs> leaves won't wither. No wrinkles, Lord. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and you'll bless the work of my hands. I'm like, yes, all my writing, all that. But it's so comforting to know that I'm not alone and that I've got this best friend that's not going to judge me from when I fell or when I fail, that's going to be there to lift me up and I'm going to grow stronger from it. Yeah. You are blessed and we're blessed to have you with us today. And, um, thank you. That was a beautiful answer. Um, there's no wrong or right answer to that question, which some people I ask the question to, they're like, oh, well, you know, carried myself. And then they're like, well, my wife was there too. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but everybody seems to think, and then they're like, well, then they come back and they go, you know what? I probably should have thought about that other person, that other person that was that time in my life, but there's no wrong or right. And, you know, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a man of faith myself and, um, you know, I've been in, in very difficult situations like what you were talking about. I've, you know, thought about ending things many times in my life. And, um, you know, uh, he's always been there and he has forgiven me every time. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And everyone can have it. They can all live in this freedom of liberty and in the spirit of truth without judgment, you know, and all it is is us forgiving others and we're forgiven too. It's not complicated. Not complicated. <laughs> Gotta get over our ego, which I have to say, going back to the mask, I, and I, you know, this is all vanity. I I remember coming back, going, "Man, people are really rude." I'm like, everyone got rude, and then I realized, you know what? I when we're in the mask now, when I didn't have to wear a mask, I would smile. People were really nice to me. You know, I would even get recognized, and I would get, "Oh, why don't you go ahead?" So I had a lot of pleasantries, right? Little, <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe it was. Maybe it was pretty privileged. Maybe it was, you know, all my children privileged. But you know what? I really liked it. And yeah. <laughs> I understand that when we put the mask on, wow, 
everyone goes about life like this. We need to, everyone needs to change. We yeah. all need to start being kinder to each other. Oh, so true. Um, I couldn't agree more. So thank you, Terry. I want to, I want to say thanks so much for joining me today. First of all. Yeah. Well, oh my God, it's my pleasure. It's, Absolutely. Al- it's always a good time whenever we have a, a chance to catch up and wishing you continued success in all your upcoming projects. And for all the teens that are tuning in today, I highly recommend reading the book, The Buzz Pointing Fingers and stay tuned for the next book in Terry Ivan's series of books. Real Conversations is proud to announce our partnership with Lane Frost Brand. We'll be doing a monthly giveaway of a different item each and every month. So be sure to enter. All you have to do is follow at Real Conversations with Jacob on Instagram, tag two friends, and be sure to download the latest episode of my podcast. And in the meantime, make sure you check out all the amazing merchandise for the whole family at lanefrost.com. I'm now going to bring on the manager of the Boys Town National Hotline and our resident professional, Chris Hallstrom. Chris, nice to hear from you. Yeah, nice to see you and nice to hear from you too, Jacob. Well, you know, Terry Ivins, she has been an actress since she was a teenager. Um, she's been, been around the business for a very, very long time. And I had, I had uh, the opportunity to work with her for many, many years on All My Children um, and she was always such a light and such an, uh, a powerful actress. She's got that voice. It's uh, almost sultry. Um, and she has like a sultry attitude. And um, I, just, I just love everything about her. I'm so glad that she talked to us. But I was also really um, inspired because, you know, you never know on the podcast who's going to be talking about and opening up about mental health. And she told me before I had even recorded anything that she had never opened up about some certain things. And um, she said she would open up and I didn't even ask her. I just said that, you know, we're targeting mental health. And I wasn't prepared for what she said because I had no idea, Um, which I think came as the biggest um, revelation that somebody who seemingly has everything seems in place their life seems uh, perfect. They had, you know, great success. And to find out that she had been suffering with mental health and suicide um, really took me right. back. And the fact that she had attempted several times. Yeah. I, I want to thank her for just being open and honest, because I think those kind of stories do help people um, just examine their own thoughts and feelings about it. So I'm, I'm impressed that she was comfortable enough sharing that with you. And I appreciate that she did that. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many people she's going to inspire based upon this interview to talk to somebody, you know? Um, and we'll talk about that in a second, but you know, some of the points that she was speaking about was accept how you are, even your, your imperfections. Right. And that's, I don't know if you can tell that to especially teenagers often enough. It's so easy for a teenager to concentrate on everything that's wrong with them, the way something fits, the way their hair looks. Um, She talked about having acne, look in the mirror and, you know, you can find all these things wrong with yourself, especially for teens. They're so um, concerned about how they look and, and their appearance for others. Of course, we as adults are that way, too. Um, And then when you really stop and think about it, okay, who's really going to pay that close attention to 
you know, uh, this hair out of place or whatever. Like you just have to sit back and not worry so much about some of those little things. Yeah. You know, I, I, I see that day in and day out, right. They, they create these applications for people to beautify themselves, make their eyes bigger, their lips fuller, um, you know, carve out their jawline, uh, change your hair color. You know, it's, uh, it's almost like they're living as uh, like like some sort of uh, video game, like an avatar, an avatar, right? Exactly. Yeah. I know those filters. You you go on Facebook. It's like I know you don't look like that in real life. So yeah, I, I it's just it's very interesting. Um, it, it, I just can't believe it's sort of this false. It is that false sense of reality, you know, even more. And and the tech companies are playing into that so much with these kids today. So. It's I get it. It's really hard for them just to look at themselves and find that natural beauty when this this high expectation of beauty is already put upon them because of their social medias that's right in front of them. Right. And then they all these filters are offered in order to make themselves look better. So, you know, it, but again, it isn't reality. It is like you're in a video game when you do that. So it, it yeah. It's a tough world these days, especially for teenagers. Yeah, it's way different than when I was a teen and, um, you know, when you were a teen as well. It's just it's, uh, you know, it's it's a much stranger place. I thought it was interesting uh, with the book that Terry had written her first uh, her first book that she was making this book, you know, not only taking her putting herself, you know, you know, in in the spotlight of the book and the things that she had gone through. But, you know, making this sort of journal for her daughter to know that we, you can find truths and here are the truths that I've found out about bullying and, and pointing fingers, uh, so to speak. And I thought that was, thought that was really powerful. She tried to sort of like towards the end be like, you know, I know it sounds sort of morbid because she had been contemplating potential suicide and things like that. But um, I honestly think that there was something really heartfelt and honest about that. I would totally agree. I feel like any time that um, you you take your own pain and and try and help other people um, learn from it, work through it, get onto the other side of it, uh, that that's a really powerful thing to be able to do. Yeah. And she also was saying um, something we talk about a lot in here. And I know like when I go to, into my garage, even though it's, my garage, you know, I do my workout. That's my self-love. Um, and she said, practice self-love. How important is that? Oh, that's huge. And you know, it, it is different for every person. Um, for you, it's exercise. Um, for somebody else, it might just be laying on the couch and taking a nap. <laughs> like you got to take care of yourself. Um, and, and everybody knows individually what it is that helps them. And it, um, we talked before, it might be something as simple as drinking some water or um, eating the right kind of food, getting enough sleep. Sometimes it's very basic things, but then it's those other things. What things do you enjoy? It's exercise. If it's um, watching a movie, if it's reading, uh, you know, the arts, it's singing, it's painting, dancing, whatever it is. Do those things that that give you some joy in life. Um, it's so important every day to find something. Yeah. Absolutely. She was also talking about, you know, if you are feeling these dark thoughts, especially about ending your own life, speak to someone. You know, don't let those thoughts take root inside your mind. Yeah, that her story was so powerful um, just to hear her 
um, admit to those feelings and express those feelings. I often use the analogy of a cup. If every time something bad happens to you, you pour more liquid in that cup, the cup's eventually going to overflow. So what can you do to help that cup not overflow? Figure out ways to pour some of that junk out of your cup. So talking to somebody, even if it's just one person like she talked about, is a huge first step. And if you're having those kind of dark thoughts, thinking that that you want to end your life, just opening up and sharing that with somebody starts to help people feel better because part of, of um, when people are having thoughts of suicide, there's um, shame, there's guilt. Um, people feel bad and they, they're, they're keeping a secret and that only makes it worse. So if they can start to open up and tell somebody, and if they're not ready to tell somebody you know, actually talk to them about it, write it out, you know, Mm -hmm. journal it. Or um, another good thing sometimes is to write a letter. So like who, if you wanted to share this with somebody, who would you share it with and write it in a letter and maybe you never give it to them or send, send it like you're writing an email. Just to Um, get the thoughts thoughts out. out. Yep. Get those thoughts out. You never send it. It sits in your drafts. That's fine. Um, But it's that beginning to admit it allows you to kind of start to pour some of that stuff out of your cup. I also like the fact that she said, don't put so much pressure on yourself to reach certain goals, because I know we all do that. You know, right. we, we all want those wonderful things in life and those trappings that, you know, we, we think that we, or we sh- obviously maybe do deserve, but, but putting that goal on yourself, it's okay to set realistic goals. But remember, we talked about this a couple of times, you know, you can't climb Everest all at one time. You have to, right. you have to camp, you have to make stops, you have to recover. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love what she said about that. Yeah, well, and I, right away, it made me think, too, how sometimes people who are real perfectionists can um, fall into this trap of feeling like I have to do everything exactly right or I have to be exactly the best. And sometimes perfectionists are really at risk for thoughts of suicide because they can't forgive themselves when they make mistakes. Um, They can't accept that they're not the best at everything. So sometimes it's just simple things um, like, um, oh, I don't know if you're really a a neat freak, like don't make your bed in the morning. All right. Walk away from it. And you know what? It's going to be okay. Let it go. And I think she used those words too. let it go. There are just some things you can't control. So let it go. Yeah. You know, Um, and I can fall into that whole feeling a lot of times because I want everything lined up exactly right. And when it doesn't happen, I just have to walk away and think, you know what? It's not the end of the world. It'll be all right. It will still be your bed. Whether it's made or not. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I come, my mother was a perfectionist. My dad um, was the person that would say, it'll be all right. The world's round. It'll, it'll end up being okay. So I come from that balance of, I listen to my mom in one ear, my dad in another ear, and I have to come into the middle of it. So it's a challenge for people who are really particular about things. Yeah. And she sounded like she probably was very hard on herself, very critical of herself. Um, so. Yeah. Don't let those feelings take root. Talk to somebody um, and don't put so much pressure on yourself. 
Yeah. You know, she's, uh, you know, she's really remarkable. And again, it was, it really took me back because I, you know, you, you just never know what's going on in somebody else's life. Exactly. And you knew her, you know her, like you probably had no idea that she was having those thoughts. Of oh, we've gone out thousands of times. I mean, well, not thousands, right? but hundreds of times as groups. Yeah. Um, I, we've been in the same red carpets together, the same awesome atmospheres. Um, we ran in the same group of friends, um, shared so many laughs and, you know, smiles. That's, you know, that's, this is the, you know, that hidden secret that, you know, you just never know what people are going through. And, you know, we talk about this a lot on the program is just saying hi. And she actually right. said this too. You don't know what somebody's going through. You don't know how yeah. you're exactly going to be able to change somebody's life in an instant. Right. By just simply I could, being kind. I could hear your, the wheels turning in your head when she admitted to, um, that she had had a gun yeah. and that she had attempted. And I thought, oh my gosh, like this is Jacob's friend. Like, how would you have felt? I mean, you would have been devastated. So, yeah. you know, it, it is just a matter of reaching out to people. You never know what's going on in somebody's life. And it's very easy to get very caught up in your own world. And we've talked about it before, too, just being mindful of what's going on around you. Be kind to people. Say hi, you know, whatever it is. Um, sometimes it's just those very small things that can make a huge difference for somebody. Yeah. you know. I think this is words that obviously every person of any age should always be reminded of. But I think more importantly, too, um, with the pressures that are upon kids, that we teach them this a little bit more, too. Um, and, you know, I've, I read these, these terrible stories about, you know, kids killing kids, kids killing themselves. And it's, and it's just, I feel like it's more and more all the time. I don't remember right. hearing all this. Maybe I was deaf as a child, you know, not, or a teenager or just wasn't apt to read the news or if it was actually being talked about, but I feel like this is a message that needs to get out there more and, and, and more kindness and, and just being more aware of people's feelings because of, you know, you just don't know what you're walking into day to day. That's exactly right. Yep. Well, and the other thing is that kids don't deal with um, emotional pain very well. Um, they are so used to today's world, quick fixes. Like you flip a button and, you know, things work. Um, you click on the internet and you don't have to wait for the modem to, you know, I mean, for the most part, they're used to very quick fixes with things. Something doesn't feel good. Give me a pill. That'll take care of it. Um, so it's helping kids be patient. Things aren't going to get fixed overnight. They're not going to be miraculously better tomorrow. Um, and she talked about how sometimes um, picking herself up and um, taking uh, the next step, like she, she reveled in, in the strength that that sometimes took. And I think sometimes that's a little bit of um, an issue sometimes with people where they almost want to be in, um, I don't want to say a victim role, but like take charge when, when you can take control of things and, and aspire to be strong and to work through those things. Again, you need help. I'm not saying that you don't, but, um, 
sometimes that's a mindset I think that gets a little bit lost with especially kids today, not necessarily related to suicide, but just in general, they think this is the end of everything because this one thing happened and there's so much more. Yeah. There's so much more to life. So much more. Um, I can relate to the flipping the switch um, analogy. You know, I, you know, I watch my kids and their lives are like, they are switches. It's a, it's just turn this on, do right. that. And everything works. And I try to, you know, I've, I've, my son gets it now, but when I told him, you know, when I was a kid, there was no cell phones. There was no, right. There was barely <laughs> internet. Um, and if you had yeah. internet, it was just, you know, some basic things that you saw on there or could access. It wasn't, wasn't anything, you know, profound, so to speak. And, um, and it, they just blows their minds. They're like, what would you live in the stone age? I know. <laughs> what did you do? What did you do sometimes. for fun? <laughs> well, we, we played with sticks. We played with sticks. <laughs> we climbed trees. Yeah. We did things. We yes. made things up. Yeah. You know, we made games up. I would, you yeah. know, what my favorite thing I used to go do with my, my, my best buddies when I was his age is my dad would drop me off at one of my friend's house and we would all have our own tents and we would go camp somewhere. I mean, I, I lived in rural Washington state, so, you know, we, we, it was very easy to find places where you could just, you know, walk onto no, it's nobody's property. It's unknown property. Who knows? But there's so much property, but we would just camp out. We'd make a little campfire and we would do stupid things like in the movie, stand by me. We'd probably have a flashlight or we'd, you know, be roasting marshmallows, telling ghost stories. (laughs) And that's, that's how we got by. And we didn't talk to our parents probably for two days. It finally had to call like one of our friends' parents. Be like, are they okay? Are they still? Are they still around? (laughs) What are they doing? Are they egging? Are they egging somebody's house? Are they toilet paper in some trees? No, no. Yeah, (laughs) it was a different world back then. It was definitely. You know what? You talk about being out in nature. That is such a um, a good grounding thing for people when they start to feel down or depressed or whatever. Is just to be out in the sunshine and fresh air. Even go sit out there for 15 minutes. Like I remember my mom telling me to go play outside and I never really understood how that was good mental health to be able to go outside and do things. So and my mom just, my, too, my mom um, just told me to go play in the street, but <laughs> yeah. no, no, she the did. Other thing, <laughs> the other thing I'll say too, when people start to feel those dark thoughts, be around people, especially if you've been in that dark hole for a while you don't have to even go talk to people, but go to a store. Just be around people because it's so easy to get in that hole and you can't find your way out. And just um, all the if you can get your all your different senses kind of um, stimulated, smell, sound, visual, all those kind of things that get you out of yourself. And sometimes it's those small things that can help people feel better. Oh, absolutely. I I know. I. <laughs> I'll be feeling, you know, depressed about one thing or the other. I walk outside, right? The sun hits you. That's one feeling. Take some deep breaths. That's one feeling. Get in the car. You put a song on. You're like, oh, I haven't heard the song in a long exactly. time. Suddenly yeah. you're bobbing your head. You're still not yourself. You walk into a public place like a supermarket, smelling mm-hmm. the fresh bread. You know, you're, you're hearing some other kind of disco music playing above your head and you're like, wow, this is like, life isn't so bad. 
Right. Um, it, just got to get out of, your, out of that hole. It, you, you come out of your hole a little bit. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. I, I mean, I know like, yep. look, Sylvester Stallone, I was, I was listening to a, uh, an Instagram post the other day and he talks a lot about, you know, obviously being physically fit because, you know, he's, he's getting up there in age now and he's still in great shape. Um, you know, he's uses the expression, keep punching, you know, keep punching. That's his, uh, his, his motto, which makes so much sense, obviously, because he played Rocky one, but number two, I mean, that's a great analogy for life. Don't give up. Keep fighting the good fight. Right. Keep punching. Well, um, I think you said too, um, when you were doing your interview with her, you said something about be willing and open to do new, new things. Cause you never know what's waiting around the corner. You right. don't like something way better than you you've been, you know, ever experienced in your life could be happening to you tomorrow. You right never know. Right then and there. So yep. you just, you know, he, he, he was saying in this Instagram post, uh, kind of that same thing. He was like, look, do I feel like every day getting up for the gym? Hell no. I don't want to get up for the gym every day. I don't want to work out every day, but if I do a little something every day, it's going to better give me a better quality of life and a longer quality of life. Um, right. Even if it's for your mental health, just to get in there and do something. Um, and, and, uh, and so I was like, it resonated so strong with me because I was like, well, here's this guy that's made his life out of being, you know, Rambo and, you know, Rocky and every, you know, tough dude that's been out there, you know, I mean, I was a kid of the eighties. So like, you know, Sly was the man and that resonated with me. It was like, look, even a guy who is a champion in that way of being physically fit, mentally fit and being always on and, you know, made, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. He doesn't exactly always like to roll out of the bed and get ready. To exactly. Work out. Yeah. You know, right. He puts his right. pants on just like everybody else. Yep. One yeah. step at a time. It really, some days that's all you can hope for, you know? That's so true. Well, yep. uh, so many wonderful things to pull from this interview. Um, so thank you, Chris, for joining me this afternoon. You're welcome. Can I also say I appreciated her response on what carries her? Oh, yes. She had no, yeah, I mean, it, no hesitation that it was God that got her through things. So, you know, more power to her. That's, that's an awesome response. And it's true for so many of us that that's what gets you through, especially those hard times. That's right. I, yep. you know, I couldn't relate to that more. I was like, wow, you know, there was times where I was in need and, or, you know, had really, really dark moments in my life. And um, at those times in my life, I got down on my knees and prayed. Yep. It's the one thing that carries you through. And for her to say, you know, God wasn't ready for me to die yet. He, he had more things for me to do. I, that was very powerful. Yeah. She's uh she's an incredible woman. Thank you so much, Chris. That's about all the time that we have for today. But Real Conversations with Jacob Young, the mental health podcast is sponsored by Boys Town. At Boys Town, their slogan is, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. For over 100 years, Boys Town has been saving children and healing families. And they're only one call away, and they're always there to help. Please go to boystown.org for all the details on how to access Boys Town's health services, or simply go to yourlifeyourvoice.org. If you're in immediate help or need immediate help in, or crisis, please call the trained counselors at the Boys Town National Hotline at 800 448 3000. Again, that's 800 448 3000, or text voice. 20121. Thank you for joining me on Real Conversations. I'm Jacob Young. 
Until next time, love yourself. Love each other. <laughs>